prepared. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, February 9th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which means you can call us right now. You can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talk. And our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And you may have noticed that we didn't play our traditional We Didn't Start the Series theme song prior to the episode, and we played the Picard theme instead. And that's because tonight's show is the show that we all live for. This is the show. This is what Trekkies like us thrive on, and that is a brand-new episode. Well, actually, a brand-new series, which is going to be airing on Thursday night. So tonight, right now, is our opportunity to be Star Trek fans like we all are. You know, we're going to talk about Jordy being a Commodore. Where did where did Lord <clears throat> come from? How did Moriarty get there? What about the Enterprise? Is Tashiar going to show up? Who lives? Who dies? All of that. We are going to break down and be Star Trek fans. And we want you to join our conversation. 646-668-2433. Let's talk Picard. But we have a lot to get to before we talk Picard. First of all, I want to introduce my awesome Trexperts who are going to be part of this really exciting uh, Trek conversation. In fact, in fact, I think the last time that we had just a basically Trek talking show was when we talked about the Gorn. When, they, when the Gorn showed up on Strange New Worlds, we did a whole show where we talked about why the Gorn are different, why do they look like this, why do they do that. And that was a lot of fun. So this is going to be that type of a show. I want to start off with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? 
Oh, man, Jim, I am doing great. And, yeah, I'm very excited to be doing just kind of like a regular old Trek talking. We don't have anything to review necessarily. I mean, we have some trailers we're going to talk about. It's not really a review in the same way a few episodes, right? So we just get to speculate, throw around wild accusations, and everything right now is correct because nothing has aired yet. It's kind of like uh, Schrodinger's cat, right? <laughs> right? If you never, yeah. if you never watch season three, then all of our theories are correct. That's right. So there you have it. And we also have hailing from Portland, our very own David, the Donut Guy. How you doing, David? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, kind of mellowing out over here. It's really cloudy and kind of windy in downtown. But uh, other than that, uh, doing pretty good. You getting ready to talk about some Picard? Oh, yeah. We we see a lot of starships in this trailer, and uh, we're going to talk about those as well. We have so much to talk about. I'm so excited. I love these shows where I get to be a Star Trek fan, like everybody who's listening, because... We don't know anything about season three other than what we saw in the trailer, just like you guys. We don't have any inside information, so we're just, we're just going to wing it and have fun and be Star Trek fans. And not from Portland, by the way, but from, from the great, awesome, awesome city of Las Vegas, we have our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. The weather's getting a little more average, even though it tried to get a little windy when I got off of work. Haven't looked at all the uh, trailers, <clears throat> but I can still listen to them and get some idea. But I want to be a little spoiler-free. We are going to play. Surprised at a couple things. Well, you know, here's the thing: uh, it's going to be a ten-hour movie, and we have a two-minute trailer. Uh, so <laughs> I really don't think we're going to be spoiling all that much. And um, we are going to play that final trailer for you before we start talking about it uh, to kind of get you in the mood if you haven't seen it. At least you can hear it. And so uh, with 10 hours of episodes and a two-minute trailer, uh, you know, I don't know how much we're going to spoil, but we are going to have some fun. So if you guys want to talk Picard, give us a call, 646-668-2433. We have some fan shout-outs to go through first, thanking our awesome fans for tuning in. We have some Star Trek birthdays, and then we're going to dive into Picard. So bear that in mind. But before we do that, we do have a couple, a little bit of uh, housekeeping to do here and then taking care of some of our sponsors. And uh, the first thing we want to do is we want to play this awesome spot for Alien Con. Alien Con is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from ancient aliens, Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, The Unexplained, and The Proof is Out There. Tickets at TheAlienCon.com. And, and Eric, how can our incredible fans gain free access to this incredible event? Oh, man, this con looks super cool. And all you have to do is just go to TrekTalking.com, which is the same name as this podcast, so it's very easy to remember. Go to TrekTalking.com. And in that lower right corner of the main page of the website, you'll see a little microphone icon. And all you have to do is click that little icon and leave us a message. It could be three seconds long, uh, although we prefer it to be a little longer. Uh, tell us why you should be given these tick- 
we love to hear from you. Uh, you can record a message that's as short or as long as you want. If you're the first one to record that message, you will be sent these tickets. And let me tell you, uh, they're nothing to scoff at. This looks like a good thing to go to. It, it does look like if I if I was closer to Pasadena, or if I actually if I, if I was on the other coast from where I am right now, I probably would go. Sounds like a lot of fun. They got some great guests. And uh, just head over to trucktalking.com. Tell us why you should go. They're digital tickets, by the way. So once you leave your message, I'll get back to you. You give me your email address, and boom, they go right to your email account. You print them up. You go to the convention. Quick, easy, and fun. So please, please do that. And while I'm talking about conventions and sponsors, uh, there's this brand-new fan con that's being uh, produced and held down in uh, Long Island. And Trek Talking will be there. I'm going to be doing several panels, including one on why Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is the best Star Trek movie, and also why Captain Michael Burnham is the best Starfleet captain. So if you want to find out why they're the best or tell me why they're not, you'll have to come to my panel to interact with me and find out why. That'll be at Trek Long Island, and they also have a lot of awesome guest stars that are going to be there, including Doug Jones, which I'm kind of psyched about myself. And uh, you can find out all the information you want about Trek Long Island. And how can they find out that information, Charles? Where, where is the best place for them to go to find out how to get involved with Trek Long Island? Well, they could look at Uncle Jim's Facebook page. They can go to Trek Talking Facebook page. <clears throat> or you can visit trektalking.com and see if there's a link discussing it. It's that simple. See, we like to make everything easy for you guys, you know? Quick and easy. Click, 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 and off you go. A lot of fun. So head on over to any one of those locations, or you could go to, to treklogisland.com as well and pick up some tickets for the convention and make plans to head on over there. And speaking of Trek Long Island, our very own Eric has put together this really awesome spot to kind of let you guys know what you're in for. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hopog, New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones... David Ajala, Oded Feyer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. 
Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. Thank you, Eric. Excellent. Well done. I just want to let you guys know uh, Eric. that... Well, Eric, do your hello? tribbles have to be spayed or neutered before they go to the convention? Absolutely. We don't want any unsupervised <clears throat> propagations while we're out in public. Yeah, and they, they, exactly. consider, they, they do contain uh, 12% um, uh, um, what was that guy's name? Paul? What Edward. Was that guy's name? Edward. Edward. They have 12% Edward DNA. <laughs> and they taste like scallops. They taste like scallops. <laughs> So I just want you guys to know, I will be sitting in um, on a podcast panel with all of the podcasts, which Eric mentioned, and Trek Talking, of course, will be represented by yours truly, Uncle Jim. And we'll be doing a, uh, an entire panel on podcasting and Star Trek, which is going to be a lot of fun. And on Sunday afternoon, uh, 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock, well, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but on Sunday afternoon... Um, Bonnie Gordon, who is the voice of the computer on Star Trek Prodigy, uh, is going to be on the stage with yours truly, Uncle Jim. And we're going to be Trek talking and having a lot of fun with that. So uh, check that out if you're going to be in the area. It'll be a lot of fun. And just come up and say hello. I'd love to meet you guys. Meeting, meeting you guys out, out at conventions is one of the greatest things for me. So um, please uh, make some plans to attend Trek Long Island. It's going to be a blast. All right, guys. Um, I think I think we've covered everything we need to cover so far, right? Let me look at we our kept notes. The house. Yeah. So uh, right now we have 122,157 downloads of this podcast as of right now, which is awesome. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. And on our Facebook page, uh, which you can link to from trektalking.com. We have 107,438 likes, members of our Star Trek family, which is absolutely outstanding. So that's really, really awesome. And speaking of our Facebook page and our ever-growing Facebook family, you can head over to our Facebook page. And at the top of the page, you'll see a post pinned to the top with the Live Long and Prosper. And all you need to do is tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you are going to be featured in a future fan shout-out. And with that in mind, Eric, you want to start us off with thanking our awesome fans for tuning in? Do I ever, man. I love to spin this globe and figure out where we end up. This week we are starting out in the Netherlands at Veerpolders in the Netherlands saying hello to Yvonne Tessers. Hello, Yvonne. Uh, live long and prosper to you. You sent us those nice Vulcan hand symbols plus a Dutch flag. Uh, I cannot wait to go to the country. I say this every time somebody from the Netherlands says hello. But Yvonne, live long and prosper to you. Peace and long life. Thank you so much for saying hello to us. And uh, keep it up. We love saying hi to people all over the world. 
We're also saying hi this week to Giovanni Cambria, who's saying hello to us from Messina, Italy. Messina. I have not been to Messina. I have been to a couple other places, been to Rome, been to Florence, uh, a couple of other small towns. San Gimignano was my favorite place to go, but Messina sounds pretty cool too. So Giovanni, thank you so much for saying hello to us and kapla to you, sir. We're also saying hello this week to Bent Christensen, who is saying hello to us from Hornslet, Denmark. Denmark. Oh, man, I can't wait to go to Scandinavia. That would be so cool, too. Bent, thank you so much for saying hello to us. Live long and prosper to you. And Kuta Timis is saying hello from Romania. Ooh, that's a cool spot, too. Romania. And Kuta, thank you so much for saying hello. It really means a lot. And you sent us three live long and prosper hand signs so three peace and long lives right back to you and my I call your that up and I raise you five <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right <laughs> and my very last fan shout out this week goes out to Lee K Lawrence Kong Lee K Lawrence Kong who is saying hello to us from Hong Kong, a fascinating city that just has such a crazy history to it that I would love to go and absorb firsthand. Maybe one of these days I'll make it over there. Lee Tay, Lawrence Kong, thank you for saying hello to us. And Charles, I know you've got some top fans, maybe locally, that you want to say hello to? Well, there is one local. <clears throat> and interesting, I don't know who he is. I want to say... Greetings to Larry Scully from here in Las Vegas, one of our top fans. Maybe he's to pop in and visit something like the USS Las Vegas, the USS Windrunner. Christopher S. Jacobs from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Jim Swain from Huntsville, Alabama, Rocket City. Oh man, I it's that I will just say that Huntsville is one of those places that I have not been that I cannot wait to go because there is so much like NASA and space history there. It would just be so cool. Jim must be a fan because he said Rocket City. Yep, Rocket City. I think I think of Rocket from the from the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I we must be talking a different Rocket. <laughs> I think about that song yeah. that Def Leppard did that was Rocket. <laughs> Rocket, baby. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, you got that one, too. <laughs> George <God>, Tabard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> George Tabard is in Johnson City, Tennessee. And Tara Wingal Wershing from Scottsdale, Arizona. David, who's on your list? Yeah, so I got a top fan, Peter Donald Deming from North, uh, sorry, South Dakota, saying, born in the same state as James T. Kirk. Wow. Uh, next wow. on my, yeah, <laughs> next on my list is Michelle Mesmer Bump from Mesa, Arizona. Next Mesa. is top. Mesa, Arizona. That? that is. And, like, one of the coolest places to visit in the Southwest. I've been to Mesa. I'm sure you've been there, I've Charles. Been, I've been to Mesa, too. Amazing. Mesa, Arizona. I've never been there. That's not fair. It's, you guys, you look it up on the Internet. It's, like, the the ancient architecture and dwellings that are built into some of the earth in Mesa, Arizona, are just stunning. Absolutely stunning. One of the coolest Don't places in the U.S. 
Don't think I've seen those, but it's a nice, very southwestern city, along with Phoenix, Tempe, and such. Awesome. Hmm. All right. Next on the list is top fan, Joe Jose Garcia from Southside, Chicago. Uh, last on my list is Derek Lakes from Mooresville, Indiana. Jim, who's on your list? Yeah, we're going to we're going to kind of sidestep Paul for tonight. He would be bump, jumping in here right about now. But that's okay because Paul will be back. Don't worry. He's just on a little hiatus. Um he'll be back. So, I want to say thank you and kapla to uh top fan Vanessa Rodriguez who's originally from Brazil but now living in New Jersey. So, thank you for listening to Vanessa. We also want to say thank you to Sylvia Almarez who's in New York, USA. I don't know if Sylvia is from New York, New York, where our good buddy Ray is from, or upstate New York, downstate New York. I don't know. New York's a pretty big state, but we appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sylvia. We also want to say kapla to DJ Crockett, who's listening to us from Crisfield, Maryland. And here we go. We want to say thank you and kapla to Dave Rudden, who says, I'm a trekker from New York City. There's the New York City guy right there. Thanks for listening, Dave. And, and, you know, make sure you go out and get some of that awesome New York pizza and let us know because we love our New York pizza. Maybe a Kanish. I like Kanishes too. They don't have them up here in Vermont, so I miss my Kanishes. I have, to, last, I have to admit, Jim, I didn't even know what that was until the other night I was watching this bake show with my 13-year-old daughter who was really into baking, and I first learned what a knish was. <laughs> you know, um, they're really – they're an acquired taste. Not everybody like my wife hates them, but my daughter likes them. And they have different it's, – it's, it's basically a fried potato cake. I mean, that's oversimplifying it, but that's basically what it is. And they have different flavors that they can put in the potatoes. So they might have corn or different things. And uh, they have all kinds of dipping sauces that you can dip them in. And they're just so good. And uh, we don't have them. Up. It's a Jewish delicacy, I believe. It and is. And we, we just don't have them up here. So I, I love a good knish. When, I go to, when we go down to baseball games, I'll always try to find a vendor that sells a knish and get one when I go down there. And, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So have a knish. Have a knish for me, Dave. And last <laughs> but not least on my list, we want to say kapla and live long and prosper to Kay Jesse, who says, a trekker in hillbilly country, southwest Virginia. So that is awesome, guys. That finishes up our fan shout-outs for tonight. Like I said, head over to our Facebook page, which you can link to from trektalking.com, and just Drop us a line. Tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name. All right, guys. So without any further ado, because we definitely want to get to some Picard talk, it's time for Star Trek birthdays. Song. I heard that Worf prefers pacifism now. We'll have to wait and see how that plays.
play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he likes a pa- a nice passive birthday song now. <laughs> that that could be. I'm really I'm really kind of really kind of psyched about seeing what's going on with Warp. I got all kinds of theories going through my head. I can't wait to talk about them. But first, we got to do our birthdays, guys. We got to make you salivate. You got to wait wait for it. We would be what kind of podcast would it be if we just jumped in and gave you what you wanted right off the bat? You would just go away and you wouldn't listen to the rest of the show. So, yeah, we're going to make you wait a little bit, but not too much longer. Uh, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, and the other great thing about this section is not only does it give us a chance to remember those who have gone before us, but it gives you those little bits of trivia that you can go back to your friends and kind of share. So it's that extra little value that Trek Talking brings to the table. Our very first remembrance this week goes out to the fantastic and prolific actor John Fielder, who played Mr. Hengist in the Star Trek, the original series, second season episode Wolf in the Fold. This guy has a face that you absolutely know if you do not remember that particular character. Uh, Perhaps you remember him from myriad things. Uh, He had an extraordinary career, spanning over 55 years, nearly 200 film and television credits. Uh, But most people will remember him as Mr. Peterson from CBS's comedy, The Bob Newhart Show. Uh, was on that for years and years and years. That's where I think I first saw him because I sort of saw um, POS later. But if you don't remember him from the Bob Newhart show, perhaps you also remember him as the uh, voice of the beloved character Piglet in Disney's animated Winnie the Pooh movies. The ones way back in the day, he was the voice of Piglet. Um, and so I know you know his voice. But despite these roles and despite having appeared opposite such legendary performers as John Wayne and Henry Fonda, uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, all of those types of folks, uh, he said that his absolute favorite thing that he ever did was a 1985 appearance on NBC – oh, excuse me, on, on NBC's Today Show. He said that his favorite thing that he ever did was playing – Jack the Ripper on Star Trek, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, that is cool. alert, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I just love that he did so many things, and Star Trek was still his favorite. So uh, happy birthday to John Donald Fielder, lost back in 2005 at the age of 80 years old. We're also saying hello, uh, not hello, we're, we're sending remembrances and lots of love out to actor Stephen Mines, who had a birthday this week. Stephen Mines, of course, played Lieutenant Robert Tomlinson in the original series' first season episode, Balance of Terror, one of the non-Romulans. We always think about the Romulans from that episode, but Stephen Mines uh, was just a lieutenant, uh, and uh, he was... Stephen Mines was actually a regular soap opera actor back in the day. He was a cast member on As the World Turns from 1966 through 1968, um, portrayed many characters on several different television shows, uh, doing lots of guest appearances, and then appeared in a 1962 feature film, Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation, and a 1964 episode of The Lieutenant, which was created by, guess who? Gene Roddenberry, and also starring Gary Lockwood. So that is pretty cool. Stephen D. Mines would have had a birthday February 3rd this week. 
Happy birthday, Steve. And he's the only he's the only character, the only that, that who died on the Enterprise in that episode. There was only one fatality, and it was him. And he wasn't Sadly even wearing enough. a red shirt. That's right. He, but I think was his, did his wife have a red? Did she have a red skirt? I don't remember. Uh, she, I think she did. I think she did actually. I think yeah, she, but he, I, yeah, I but think he wore she did. gold. Yeah. Yep. yeah. All right, Stephen D. Mines, happy birthday. Also saying happy birthday this week to a classic actor, Sam Gilman. Uh, we lost him all the way back in 1985, but he played Doc Holliday in the original series, third season episode, Spectre of the Gun. Uh, I love super, that. It's such That's a cool episode. It's that cool Western episode. Um, it fits, to me, it fits right in, and then it's been not imitated, but I guess homaged so many times throughout TNG and all the other uh, series who have kind of harkened back to, you know, those holodeck style episodes, <laughs> this one actually being on a planet, not a holodeck. But Sam Gilman uh, appeared in several films along with Marlon Brando. He was kind of known for showing up in films with this guy. Uh, he began his career with Marlon Brando in an uncredited role in the 1950 movie, The Men. Uh, and the reason that that is significant is that that actually also starred DeForest Kelly. So, boom, right from the beginning, Sam Gilman and DeForest Kelly were hooked up in 1950 with their careers. He followed this with an appearance in Brando's The Wild One in 1953, and then that same year appeared in the biblical epic The Robe, which also starred Gene Simmons, who I believe uh, just had a birthday a little while ago. Um, also with Marlon Brando, uh, so lots of Brando connections. Gilman also made a guest appearance on such television shows as The Untouchables, Gunsmoke, and The Life and Times of Wyatt Earp. He just had that Western look to him. So Sam Gilman would have had a birthday on the 5th just four days ago. Happy birthday, Sam. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Cecily Adams. And if you don't know who Moogie is, you got some watching to do. Ishka, <laughs> Ishka is one of the coolest Ferengi ever on Deep Space Nine. Uh, she, of course, appeared in uh, in several episodes, four episodes of Deep Space Nine, and then kind of came back as a holographic patron uh, in the finale uh, for uh, What You Leave Behind for Deep Space Nine as well. Uh, Moogie, of course, is Cork and Rum's mom, a uh, very progressive woman, Wears clothes as a Ferengi woman. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but Cecily Adams actually took over the role of Ishka from Andrea Martin. And although she played Armin Shimmerman and Max Grodenchik's mother on the series, she was actually nine and six years their junior, respectively. So she was younger than her kids on the show. Uh, Cecily Adams' other t- includes guest appearances on shows like Simon and Simon, Quincy M.E., The Equalizer, uh, and she appeared in the final episode of a very short-lived science fiction series, which I do not remember at all, called Total Recall 2070. Do you remember that, Jim? I I do not, actually. I don't. Had no uh, idea, apparently. That I, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> I know. I'll have to look that up, too. What I didn't know, though, was that Cecily Adams was not only an actress, but she was actually primarily a casting director. She served in this capacity for television sitcoms like Third Rock from the Sun 
and That 70s Show, as well as films like The Forgotten One and The Homeroom. She also served as a casting assistant on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I love. That, of course, stars Christopher Lloyd, one of my favorite Klingons, one of my favorite doctors. He's just a cool guy all around. Unfortunately, we lost Cecily Adams way back in 2004 at the young, young age of 46 years old. Um, she oh. actually died before her father did. Uh, her father died the following year. So um, lost way too, way too early. Cecily Adams did a lot in her short life. Uh, happy birthday to her. Would have had a birthday on the 6th. Happy birthday as well to actor Michael Strong, who appeared as Dr. Roger Corby in the original series episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? I love that episode because I love to bring it up when we talk about androids. Uh, Michael Strong is not only known for that, he's probably best known for his supporting role as Brigadier General Hobart Carver in the Academy Award-winning 1970 film Patton. And if you haven't seen Patton, and you like war movies, dude, you got to see that movie. It's so good. Uh, he was also a regular on the long-running series The Edge of the Night uh, in the mid-50s there. And he guest starred on a lot of television stuff like The Untouchables, Gunsmoke, Mission Impossible, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he also appeared in the film Dead Heat on a merry-go-round. I have not heard of that one. <laughs> um, and then it has a couple of other feature film credits with Detective Story and the great Santini, Michael Strong, would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Michael. We're also celebrating Gene Lyons' life this week. Gene Lyons appeared as Ambassador Robert Fox in the TOS episode, A Taste of Armageddon. Uh, Gene Lyons was pretty much a professional guest star. He appeared in almost 70 television guest spots beginning in 1950 and continuing all the way until his death in 1974. Um, so when you look up his INDB page, it's impossible to really summarize it too well because it's, it's like a whole bunch of stuff, but one or two episodes. The one exception being that he did appear in 66 episodes of a television show called Ironside from 1967 to 1974 as Commissioner Dennis Randall. So Gene Lyons had that regular gig and then a whole lot of guest appearances, which was pretty cool. Did a couple of movies, too, but mostly in television. So Gene Lyons would have had a birthday just today. February 9th, 1921 is when he was born. Gene Lyons lost too early as well at age 53, way back in 1974. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Roy Jensen, who played Cloud William in the Star Trek, the original series, second season episode, The Omega Glory. Um, Roy is kind of known as being a tall, strong-built, kind of imposing guy. He was actually a Navy vet from the World War II days, and that is where he got his acting start was while he was in the Navy. Uh, he appeared in a lot of Westerns, uh, not only Gunsmoke and Bonanza, but lots of movies, lots of made-for-TV Western movies. Did tons of guest appearances on things like The Eddie Griffith Show and stuff. Uh, and also had a great role in the acclaimed 1976 made-for-TV movie Helter Skelter. Uh, he uh, unfortunately died of cancer in Los Angeles back in 2007, but did live to be a ripe old age of 80 years old. Uh, Great-looking actor, great career, lots and lots of stuff out there. Roy Jensen would have had a birthday just today. And guys, that is our <clears throat> references for this week. So uh, I love to say 
Um, thank you to those who have gone before us. But we also, of course, love to celebrate those who are still with us. So, Charles, would you like to get that kicked off? Uh, sure will. And since Paul's out, my list is a little long today. Start off with Stephen Mahetti, played the Romulan Senator Verank in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's season six episode in the Pale Moonlight. His memory is very important. Worked opposite Avery Brooks, first as a villain in Corbett at Spencer for Hire. Has appeared in two different episodes with Scott Bakula, in which he played a character involving in mining. He played a Russian miner named Swapha in Quantum Leap, and the season finale Mirror Image is an alien mine foreman in Star Trek Enterprise, and appeared in the episode Zindi. Matt Wilson played the temporal agent Daniels in eight episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Along with Jeffrey Combs and Gary Graham, he is the, he is one of only three actors besides the regulars to appear and play the role of Premier Levina in Star Trek Next Generation, The Price. Jimmy Bennett played adolescent James T. Kirk, 2009 Star Trek. He also played Rerun in two of the 19... To the, to the 2000s peanut shows. Uh, I want a dog for Christmas, and he's a bully, Charlie Brown. Marina Hill played Helen Noel in Star Trek original series, Tiger of the Mind. One of 19 women, William Shatner, Captain James T. Kirk, kicked on tar- in the Star Trek original series. Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips played Neeks in all seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager. Also appeared in as Dr. Freck in Menage a Troy. And Enterprise had played Ulysses in Enterprise Acquisition. Played the young. Akita Henson in Star Trek Voyager's episode Dark Frontier. And this last one, I was really surprised that Jim gave it to me. Big happy birthday to Eugene Wesley Rod Roddenberry Jr., born February 5th, 1974 is the only son of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and his second wife, Major Barrett Roddenberry. He's involved in productions of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Prodigy, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Short Treks, and Star Trek After Trek. Boy, I think he's got a long credit when it comes to producing. Yeah, he's carrying the torch, man. And he's done a a couple of pretty cool, like, documentaries, too, that um, people should definitely seek out if they haven't seen them before. I I can't remember their names right now. I feel like I saw one recently that I really liked. But, yeah. 
I was very surprised. I think the only show I could come up with that he's not been in production is Wilton's show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, so I, I was mean, surprised. Yeah. I was surprised to find out that he was involved in Short Trek and After Trek. Yeah, I think he's he's often a consultant uh, uh, of various ilks. I don't I don't uh, completely understand his role, but it's cool to have him involved because he's actually got that direct exactly. action there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the first guy that I want to say happy birthday to is not a Star Trek actor. In fact, he has no direct contact. To Star Trek. However, however, I feel he's the maestro and uh, being into music and the importance that music plays in our cinema, I would be remiss in my duties as Uncle Jim and host of this podcast if I didn't acknowledge him. And of course, I'm talking about the awesome John Williams, who brought us some of the most incredible soundtracks in the history of soundtracks. Uh, most people with Star Wars, Superman, uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, his credits go on and on and on and on. And uh, next to Jerry Goldsmith and the Star Trek The Motion Picture soundtrack, I would put John Williams right in there with the Star Wars soundtrack. For me personally. Some people might not agree, but um, I think that Jerry, I think the Motion Picture soundtrack just squeaks out Star Wars just a little bit. So happy birthday to the awesome John Williams. All right, guys. So now that I got our Star Wars connection out of the way, let's swing back into Star Trek. What do you say? We want to say happy birthday to Time Winters, who played Glenn Darrow in the Star Trek The Next Generation fourth season episode, The Wounded. Now, this is back when Cardassians wore that really funky headgear, which I still don't <laughs> understand. What, well, what the purpose of it was. Well, um, and that was, I love that one too, because you got Massette, which is the other Cardassian in that episode. And that of course is played by the same guy who plays Dukat. So and, supposed and, to be like his but, brother or something, a side brother. <laughs> this was kind of like the, the, the Cardassian that you, you wanted to believe the Cardassian that had your sympathy, the Cardassian that you didn't really think was a bad guy. He kind of it was the, the role that he played, Time Winters. So happy birthday to Time Winters. We also want to say happy birthday to McGill Ferrier, who played the executive officer on the USS Excelsior in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. And because Paul's not here, I will jump in here and say that most fans would recognize him as Bob Morton, from the 1987 RoboCop film. Yeah, he was a bit of a dink in that movie, and he got what he deserved. <laughs> a, I bit really, a, a, a bit dink. of a dink. A super dink. Just a bit of one. <laughs> I, and, and believe it or not, I was, most re- I was watching, I'm really into these cheesy, like, 80s-type movies. I was recently watching a, a horror movie, an underwater horror movie called, some of you may or may not have seen it or remember it, called Deep Star Six. Oh, yeah. And Love that he, movie. It's so he was good. The 
in that movie too. He was, he was, and that movie. I remember that movie because that was when all those underwater movies were really popular. Like The Abyss came out, Deep Star Six, and there was like another one that came out. Leviathan came out right around that same time. Jaws. And well, that was way after Jaws. Yeah, (laughs) but but speaking of. Uh, Star Trek Three. Uh, David and I actually just were able to see that at our local movie theater because uh, they did one of those re-screenings. We saw it in glorious 35 millimeter, including a whole middle section that was all scratched to hell. <laughs> but it was still amazing. <laughs> It was the only Star Trek movie I had never seen on the big screen, and it was so fun to see it up there. It was fun to see uh, the Enterprise, you know, go down in a blaze of glory. Um, but it was it was 35 millimeter, and it was an original print. So we're talking 40 year old. You know, it was pretty scratchy. The sound was pretty sketchy, but it would just held a lot of nostalgia. I don't know. I had a great time. What'd you think, David? I was surprised how many people showed up to that theater. I was like, whoa. I was surprised we got pretty good seats, but it was, it was really fun. I, I enjoyed it. That was actually my very first time watching it on the big screen, too. So <laughs> Yeah, our local theater, the Hollywood Theater here in Portland uh, on the east side, always does screenings of old stuff. It's where I've seen, like, 2001 in 70 millimeter. I saw Mad Max in 70 millimeter. Um, so, yeah, seeing Star Trek Three on the big screen was super cool. One of my favorite lines in that movie is when, when Kirk it kicks the Klingon in the face and he says, I, I have had, had enough. <laughs> a classic chapter <laughs> you. In between each pause, he kicks the Klingon in the face <laughs> until he falls off into the volcano. I love that scene. It's so Shatner-esque. I, just, I love absolutely, it. Absolutely. absolutely. Great movie. I like them all anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one. The next one, uh, prepare to have your minds blown because a lot of people don't realize what I'm about to tell you guys. All the connections that this next actress has to some of the movies that affected our childhood that we grew up watching. So we want to say happy Star Trek birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. And you're saying, I don't, who the hell are you talking about, Uncle Jim? You're token that green butt up there in Vermont. No. I'm not. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein, (laughs) uh, she played the science officer aboard the USS Enterprise B in Star Trek Generations. Okay. So she was in Star Trek, and uh, she's on screen quite a bit. I mean, you would recognize her if you saw saw her. She's in the beginning of the movie. But, 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 uh, she also voiced the Enterprise computer. In Star Trek Short Trek, Q&A, and Ephraim and Dot, which I did not know. So there's, there's two Star Trek connections. But here's the one that's going to blow your mind. She played in, she was in Aliens. That's right, Aliens. And she played Private Vasquez. She's the one, the badass woman with the giant-ass gun. And she's the doing a Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? And she slaps him in the face and says, no, have you? Have you? <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you? Great character. Loved her in that movie. She was in Star Trek as well. But wait, but wait, there's more. Not only oh, yeah. did she put on the bridge of the Enterprise, not only did she have a big-ass gun to blow away aliens with Ripley, she was also in Terminator 2. 
And she had a really cool role in that movie because she got to play John Connor's stepmother in that movie. If you recall the scene in the kitchen, the dog is barking outside. And in Terminator movies, why do dogs bark? Because there's a Terminator around. And if you guys remember, Robert Patrick played the T-1000, who was a liquid Terminator and could assume any shape he wanted. Well, John Connor's stepmom goes to see what the hell's wrong with the dog, and guess what? She gets killed, and the T-1000 takes her form and, uh, and kills, and, and kills uh, the, the father's drinking some milk out of the container, and he shoots a spike out of his hand right through his face, right through the milk container. And, of course, that's Jeanette Goldstein, who's playing the part of the T-1000 as well. Which, which is three awesome, awesome movies. She also was in Titanic. So, wow. Go figure. And, and so, Jim, and there's one reference, one Star Trek-specific reference that you don't have here, which uh, is a little bit on the side here, but in the, epi- the Short Trek episodes Q&A and in Efferman Dot, she was actually the voice of the computer on the USS Enterprise in those episodes. Isn't that cool? So cool. So happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. Um, yeah, awesome actress. She's done a lot. We also want to say live long and prosper to Rocco Sisto, who played the Vulcan Stackiff in Star Trek The Next Generation's third season episode, Sarek. He was the one that was trying to hold Sarek together with mind melds and stuff because uh, Sarek was cracking. Basically, he had what yep. Iramati syndrome, or um, well, what? No, that's Picard's thing, but it was a, a oh, similar oh, thing. Right. Yeah, right. Eye syndrome. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was called, but it but it definitely was like he it it particularly was becoming impossible for Sarek to hold his emotions together. Yes, and, and Picard had to step in and, and shoulder all that. Excellent, excellent episode that was. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Arista Arin, who played the young Michael Burnham in the first and second seasons of Star Trek Discovery. And here's a, here's a fun one for you. We want to say happy birthday to Julie Warner. She played Christy Henshaw in Star Trek The Next Generation, third season episodes Booby Trap and Transfigurations. However, that's not the scene that I will always remember her for. That's not the scene that's burned into my brain for all of eternity. She also was in Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox. If you guys haven't seen that movie, it's a good movie. you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, she's introduced to us when Michael J. Fox crashes his car and she comes walking out of this lake, and I forgot where it takes place, some back, I don't remember, not relevant. She comes walking out of this lake buck-ass naked. And that's the first time we see her. And it's like, whoa. So uh, it's a great movie. And uh, so check it out. Happy birthday to Julie Warner. I'm almost done with my birthdays. I've only got two more. We want to say happy birthday to, (laughs) excuse me, to Sam Bartholomew, who played Ensign Danby Connor in Star Trek Discovery's first season episode, The Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars. He later appeared as his Mirror Universe character counterpart in Despite Yourself. We actually get to watch him die twice, believe it or not. He He died in that episode. 
and then Michael <laughs> Burnham kills him in the elevator in the mirror theater. So he dies twice. So happy birthday, Sam. And and I always save the Klingons for last. And I've got a good one, a good Klingon. Uh, in fact, this is the Kling. Well, I'll tell you that in a second. We want to say happy birthday to John Shuck. And John Shuck appeared as the Klingon ambassador in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He also appeared as the Klingon Dr. Antok in the Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episode, Affliction and Divergence. He's the guy that his, his ridges melted off, and he was going to get into Klingon plastic surgery to, to get Klingon their ridges back. Now, way, 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 way back in the day, um, this was the Klingon that I wanted to cosplay as before Worf came along. I just thought he was so cool that a Klingon could be an ambassador and didn't have to be a warrior. So I, I kind of liked his character. But he also played Herman Munster in the Herman in the Munsters uh, a reboot. I don't know what you call it. The Munsters two. Um, they made they made a Wait, there was a, a there was a there was a Munsters two. Well, I don't know what you, I don't know what to call it. They had a black and white Munsters oh back gosh. in the fifties. Which and is then the one I in, know and love. In the eighties, they had a remake of the Munster in full color, and he played what? Herman Munster in hmm. the Monsters. And I don't know if it was it just entitled the Monsters, or was it Monsters Two, or Monsters Return, or something of oh that gosh, line. Gosh, I just looked it up. It's called the Monsters Today. I've never heard of this That's show. It. Yeah, That's me it. neither. And he played. See, educational, not just fun. Wow. But <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, totally Herman. different cast. Huh. Yep. And he played Herman Munster, which is pretty cool, I think, anyways. And uh, so just just uh, happy birthday to each and every one of you guys that we – and guess what? It's time for you guys to let your fingers do the walk-in and call Truck Talking because you know what? We made it. It's time to canoodle some Picardisms, and that's what we're going to do. Six four six six eight two four three three our number. And I promised you guys I would play the Picard trailer for you guys, and we're going to do it. Um, and it's just so it's two minutes and thirty seconds long out of a ten-hour series, and I don't think we got to give out spoiler alerts because everything that we're about to talk about, <laughs> if it comes true, great, then we're brilliant. But um, these are just theories, things that we are speculating, things maybe we'd like to see, and we'd love to hear from you guys. What would you guys like to see in Season 3? 646-668-2433 is the number, and here we go, the Picard Season 3 final trailer. We fight or we die. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire, crash landing expectedly or unexpectedly. Those were the days. There is something coming. Battle station. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. An all-consuming darkness. 
And it is getting stronger. John Luke, trust no one. started and then I'm going to turn it over to my truck spurts and we're just going to have some truck talking fun. Uh, the first thing is that uh, Terry Metalis said that there's going to be several callbacks to the original film and one of them right off the bat is in the beginning uh, was that a bosun whistle I think they call it and uh, we see someone we see the ensign blow that and that's the same whistle that we see in Star Trek 6 the undiscovered country. So there's one type tie-in right there. Obvious one, but it's right there. Um, the ship that comes through uh, that ship, the Shriek, looks. I've made the comparison. It looks. It, it looks almost exactly. I mean, except it's got four wings, but it looks exactly, exactly like Nero's ship in Star Trek 2009, which and Jim. Is, and Jim, it, a shrike is a bird of prey. It, it's interesting because that was an alternate timeline. Although the ship came from the original timeline before it that's went right. back in time. That's right. So, Remember, like, that's the people got to like, they got to piece together 2009 because some of the 2009 stuff happens in the Kelvin timeline, but the whole beginning of the movie happens in the prime timeline. That's right, and that ship looks like awfully like that to me. Don't know if there's a connection there, but it it, it does extremely look like that. Um, 
we know that Moriarty is going to be there, and we also know that we're going to see Lore there as well. Um, we see, we're going to see Commodore, that's right, Commodore, Jordy LaForge as well. We heard Seven of Nine's voice. She's going to be there. What you, from the trailer, what you couldn't see because it was audio is that Michelle Hurd's character is going to be there, Rafi, and she's fighting with Worf, which brings me to a theory that I have, which I think is, it'd be cool if they did this, but I'm thinking to myself, when Beverly Crusher says, trust no one, and we see Rafi fighting with Worf, we see a lot of Starfleet officers fighting with each other in this trailer, which, of course, you couldn't see because it was on the radio. But the, the Starfleet officers are having a phaser fight with each other in the hallways of the ship. And so, you know, they're, they're shooting each other. And then we see a scene where Rafi is, uh, has this laser thing shooting into her eye. And I'm thinking to myself, this reminds me of those little buggy creatures from the TNG episode conspiracy when they got into your neck and had that little spine sticking out and they took over your brain. And I'm thinking that reminds me an awful lot of that because that's what, well, that, 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 uh, 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 what was his name? Ricks? I forgot his name. Walker uh, Keel. Walker uh, Keel uh, tells yeah. Picard, trust no one. And that's what Beverly Crusher says. It made me think of that episode. Don't know if it's true or not. It's just made me think of it. So that, maybe, that maybe not. I, well, that eye spraying thing also made me think of that TNG episode, The Game, when Wesley right gets caught by the 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 thing that you put on your head and then it shines in your eye and it's it's like addictive, highly addictive. That's the episode with Ash, Ashley Judd, I think. Yeah, that, that that woman wants to take over the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there was that as well. Um, and there's a scene where they go into a, I'm assuming it's, I don't know where it is, but I think it's on Jordy's star base because he's the Commodore of a star base, which we see in the trailer. And uh, they go into what, what looks to me to be like um, a giant holodeck is the way I, what I thought it looked like. And if you look at the scenes when Moriarty shows up, he's got those same blue, long, skinny blue lights over his head that we see in this room that Picard walks into with Geordi and Riker. So I'm thinking this is like some giant hollow deck type of thing on the star base. And that might be where they have where Moriarty is living now. Because we don't know what happened to him after ship in the bottle. We don't know. But he does show up here. I'm thinking this is some type of new, super futuristic holodeck where where he's living. I mean, I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking. So we do see him, and of course we see Lore. And how does how do we get Lore? Because last time we saw Lore, Data had disassembled him and done what with him? I, I don't know. Well, we know well know what he actually did with his body, but we do know that Data takes the emotion chip, right? Because then a couple of years later, he puts it in his own head in generations. So, to me, the question is, A, what's Lord doing alive? And B, theoretically, he should have no emotion right now, right? Because didn't 
Data walk away with that? So how is he acting so emotional and lorish in the trailer? I don't know. Yeah, these, these are questions we're going to ponder, actually. So we do see the Enterprise F in this trailer as well. Odyssey class. Uh, we, 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 yep, from the video games, which is cool. We do not see the Enterprise E, although, and I don't think that we will, because I think they answered the question for us in Prodigy as to what happened to the Enterprise E, and that is that it either got completely destroyed or so severely damaged that they commissioned the Enterprise F um, and, and um, the season finale of Prodigy. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, spoiler it, go and check it out, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So we won't see the Enterprise E, but, but Patrick Stewart did say at San Diego Comic-Con he made a comment about the carpeting on the bridge of the Enterprise. The only Enterprise that has carpeting on the bridge is which one, David? <laughs> Enterprise F? No, Enterprise the D. D. Enterprise D. D. Uh, has that beautiful uh, red carpet. Yeah. <laughs> and there had been talk, Denise Crosby said that Tasha Yar would be back in season three. And so... I'm thinking to myself, there, maybe we're going to see a flashback type of a deal um, like they did in All Good Things, and, and we'll see Tatiar on the bridge of the Enterprise in a flashback type of a thing. Or it could be a hollow deck kind of a deal because obviously Tasha and Dave, it did happen because we saw it happen, and maybe lore replays a memory of Data's for some reason, and that's how Tasha ends up there. I, I, I don't know, because Tasha's actually dead. Um, I was hoping, one of my hopes, and I think a lot of fans were hoping this, is that we don't know for sure uh, that Tasha Yara actually is dead. Because all we have is the word of Sila and Romulan's, are known to lie. People were hoping that we would either see Sila or maybe the real Tashiar, but that's been shot down, and they said that's not going to happen. And they would never lie to us, would they? So <laughs> there, there's that as well. And um, some other things that I, I noticed in that trailer, I don't think that Captain uh, Stanwyck is going to make it out of the first episode, unfortunately. He may be a captain when we see him, but I got to tell you, with with Captain Riker and Admiral Picard, uh, his chances of making it out of that first episode are not very good. Um, Is it bad when Star Trek is so predictable? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And particularly when he says, we're not going to have any shootouts. We're not going to have any crash landings. We're not going to have any battles. We're not going to have any unforeseen this. You know exactly that every single thing he just said is about to happen. So I don't think he's going to make it. Um, the character that's being played by, um, uh, what, what's the actor's name? Um, uh, Ed Spielers. This one is a big thing of contention because, some people on the internet are saying that it's that it's his actually his nephew Renee, but it can't be Renee because Renee died in the fire on the vineyard. Yeah. In the in the episode yeah. they, family, they pretty much tell you 
he's dead. Um, fans are like, oh, he crawled out of the fire and he survived. No, it's not Renee. It's not car. Renee. They wouldn't do that. That's not Star Trek. It, no, it, it, it is not Renee. Uh, I do not believe that it's Renee. Okay, and, and again, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. What, what, what I do think though is that after Nemesis, um, Beverly Crusher starts her own Doctors Without Borders type of a thing, only it's in space. And she goes out to help those that are in need of help. And she leaves everybody behind, Picard, everybody, and off she goes. And on be another tie back to the Star Trek movies is Unbeknownst to Jean-Luc, she has a child that happens to be his, and that's who Ed Spieler is, and she's going to Carol Marcus him and come back and say, oh, yeah, and by the way, the, the guy that, that's trying to kill you and that hates you, oh, that's your son. Um, that, that's, that's my theory as to who he, who he actually is. May or may not be true. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Um, so that's what I think is going on. As to... Who is who Vatic is? How did she get there? Why is she pissed at Picard? Ah, there's a million theories. Pick one. I don't know. We'll we'll kick some around tonight. But one of the theories is that the creatures that are with her are the interdimensional creatures um, from the TNG episode there where they took them into the portal. And uh, I went back and I looked, and they, they do resemble those aliens whose name escapes me right now. Um, they were in a quantum realm that was parallel to our, to our own type of a deal. Could be, it could be, but how Vatic would, would get there and how she would get them here to survive in our universe, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, like, again, it, it is possible. But um, she, she does have soldiers of a type with her. And she's pretty pissed at the card. So, yeah. The only there's one character that doesn't have a lot to do in the trailer, and that's that's of course Deanna Troy. Uh, she's only in one clip, very very briefly, and she, we do hear her voice at the end, where she says, "There's a terrible darkness." But that's all. That's all that she's involved in the trailer is just that. Um, and who else? Warp is a pacifist now. We know that Seven is the first officer um, of the Titan A. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much that's pretty much what we get out of the trailer. Oh, and I do love the soundtrack too. I think the, the soundtrack, the music is very. It, it's got that Star Trek three, Star Trek two type of a feel to me, anyways. Um, yeah. All right. So, what do you guys think? Where, where do you want to start? Oh boy. Um. Who wants well, to jump in? You're David. Let's talk about the starships. Uh, I just thought when you mentioned that um, this is like a Star Trek two II and three music similarities. What if this is Picard's Wrath of Khan type of season? <laughs> it it what very if, well could be. What if that? villain is somebody of his past like I'm not really going to you know throw names out there but for some reason I think Eric I remembered this point when I told him in the theater 
what if this lady is Dr. Pulaski in the mirror universe type of thing? <laughs> that would be So, that I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just something that I thought about when uh, that came up. But, yeah, um, as far as the Enterprise, uh, you want to talk about the Enterprise F? Absolutely. That, well, that's what we're here to talk about. We're just here to truck talk. Nice. Okay. Well, um, are you wanting to talk about like the way it looks? So, uh, we, what? we can talk about anything that you want to. There's All no right. script. <laughs> this is just the <laughs> truck talk show. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it looks really similar to the Sovereign, uh, the Enterprise E. It really does, as far as like the uh, layout of the uh, the ship hull uh, <coughs> uh, and everything. But um, other than that, yeah, it looks pretty cool. I like it. It's a nice addition to another Federation ship of the line. <laughs> yeah, but, I think it's. Pretty yeah, cool. I mean, if it's if it's the same one that they do in the game, that is a class ship. Uh, um, oh, sorry, Odyssey class. Question. And the thing that I really like about it is the the, the aspects of the winter, like in uh, the 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 deflector dish that's kind of part of the body, as opposed to an entirely separate secondary hole, and it's built right into the main body. I also pretty big ship, much in the same way that the Enterprise D was. Um, so, like, the D was big, the E was like, okay, not people, and I think the Odyssey is supposed to be. Have you, you played Star Trek Online, right, David? Have you ever played with an Odyssey class? Uh, I haven't got on Star Trek Online in a very, very long time, and um, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. It, it's just like a really cool-looking 25th century. I mean, I don't know, I don't know much about it, but I know that it's pretty involved in the Star Trek online universe, so I think there are probably other fans who are happy that they brought that book or made the difference, like, exactly what it Yeah, it look, it, it's anyway. a cool-looking ship. It, it really, it definitely is. And and there, there's a line in there where Starfleet is the target of, which is what made me think of the, I don't know what you call them, the bug aliens, uh, from season one, but we haven't heard we haven't heard anything from uh, from Charles. Charles, what do you think? <clears throat> well, since I said I had watched his last trailer, <clears throat> I haven't taken a good look at the new ship yet. I wouldn't be surprised it influences Star Trek Online. It's a rather popular fan the fan usage on online for those fans, so it'd be a good indication towards them. It's a we'll see. I think we're more, yeah, we a little interested in what I think we're kinda of interested in what happens on ship, not just the ship itself. And we do see quite a few ships. We see the we see the Enterprise F. We see the Titan A. We see uh, what I'm assuming is Doctor Crusher's medical uh, ship that she is on. 
we see a couple of starships crashing into other ships. I don't know what yeah. those ships were. I thought that was a steam runner class when I first saw it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of ships. So, so you know, there's going to be a lot of space going on. But, again, this is a two-minute trailer of a 10-hour show. So all the ships that we see might might be, like, like you know, all in one episode, and that will be that. I, I don't know. But they, they did look really good. The ships looked outstanding. <laughs> Also, I do want to mention that the Sovereign class is making an appearance. I can see it in the trailer right now at uh, minute mark 41 seconds. But it's see not two the sovereign. Enterprise. It's not the Enterprise, but there are Sovereign classes uh, escorting the Enterprise, I'm assuming. But, <laughs> yeah. Yes, that ship is well, the Enterprise. The one uh, on the top of it is the Enterprise. If you look when it yeah. flies over, you'll see the F on the hull. Is that Earth behind there, or is that a different planet? It looks like Earth to me, but it, again, maybe it's not. I don't know. Because in the trailer, they say Starfleet is the target, and Starfleet's yeah. on Earth. So I'm thinking that is Earth. But maybe well, Jim, not. Something I've, something I've noticed in a lot of the finalized trailers for a lot of the Star Trek shows, they get this really high emphasis trailer, and we find out that maybe the first two or three episodes, and that's it. They yes. don't go past yeah. those. They don't go past the first arc. That's right. Which is good. Which I I like it when they do that because then you know you don't see a scene in the trailer, and then you're like you know that scene is going to happen because you saw it in the trailer. And then when it when it does happen, you're like, well, I already knew that because they showed it to us. This way, all the scenes that they show us will be over in the first three episodes, which I think is great when they do that. Personally, hmm. but who's going to die? I think they all are. Uh, Terry, Terry Metalis said that not everyone is going to get out of the third season. Somebody hmm. is gonna is not gonna make it, and uh, I'm like, I, to me, I'm thinking that two come to my mind right off the bat, which may or may not be. I'm thinking obviously Picard, right? He's the obvious choice. He's what ninety on the series now, hmm. eighty eight, something like that. I'm thinking he's Picard, also, but I'm uh, and. He's also android, so he's got a few more years he could live. Well, they said that they when they made him an android, they said that they that he was going to die at the same. They weren't going to make him like super android, live forever type of a deal. He did. They he right. did have an I think they've been. I think they've been living no longer than. I think they've been living in. Well, look at uh, look at Admiral Bones. He was a hundred seven. True, true. <laughs> but I'm thinking that it's going to be Deanna Troy that doesn't make it. Uh, I actually have that exact same uh, feeling too. And, and the reason why I say that is if you if you remember in Star Trek Nemesis, um, the Viceroy was intentionally targeting Deanna Troy with those mental uh, rape thing. I don't know what you call it, the mental attack to throw off her senses so that she wouldn't know what was going on. 
And if this if this uh, character, this this static character, is actually somehow tied into the Romulans, then I think that that would be they would target Deanna Troy first and foremost because she would be able to sense and feel and know what's going on, just like the Viceroy and Nero near uh, <laughs> targeted her near in uh, in. Uh, in Nemesis. So I think that Deanna Troy might be on the chopping block. Hmm. I, I don't I, I don't think it'll be Warp. I don't think it'll be Riker. I don't think it'll be Seven. I don't think it'll be Rafi because if they want to continue on, those two have to make it. If, if they're going to do a, a Rangers spinoff, you would want to have them. So, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Deanna Troy. Yeah, think, I mean... For me, it's, like, less important who's going to die, but, like, I'm just really interested in this villain. I mean, we have Amanda Plummer, first of all, who's the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who played one of, in my opinion, the best Klingon villains we've ever seen in Chang in Star Trek VI. And Amanda, she... So here's what we can tell from the trailer. She doesn't have pointy ears, right? Nope. Um, She has... Uh, some sort of scar on her face or some sort of facial weirdness happening. Um, we know her vessel looks a, a bit like the Narada, for sure. Um, we don't see, like, green lasers and stuff, which I always associate with Romulans. <laughs> you know, we see, we see lots of red ones, but if we don't see any green ones. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. And then I got, I got to thinking, and I was like, okay... Well, what are some of the things that Picard has been trying to do? Picard, as a show, has been trying to put Picard's, um, like, his regrets, his life decisions. It's, it's trying to kind of give us some resolution for each one of those things. So season one, we get the resolution that we didn't get uh, from the original data death, right? <laughs> and we kind of get right. this whole concept of like, you know, future Picard and his body and that that where he ends up now. In in season two, um, we deal with a whole other set of Picard things that I think are you know, with Guinan involved and that sort of stuff has pretty strong connection to his past. To me, what's the one kind of topic that we haven't totally resolved about Jean-Luc Picard? And to me, it's his love life. And we know that in uh, Star Trek, he's had a few hookups. You know, he had some hookups back in the television days. Um, Nothing that meaningful. I mean, some things that where he sort of made connections. But to me the real connection that he made with somebody in his life was with Anaj from uh, Star Trek Insurrection. And a lot of people sort of poo-poo that movie and, you know, talk about how it's not a real Star Trek movie and stuff. And, you know, I think there's an argument for that. I think that there's also an argument that we've made in the podcast that it's actually a pretty decent episode <laughs> of TNG. Yeah. If you sort of think of it that way, like a two-part episode, um, maybe maybe didn't need to be in the theater. But it's got some cool stuff going on. And in that movie, you know, he falls in love with this woman and ha- who's a Baku woman, right? She's not human. And you'll remember that the Baku in that movie have this whole thing with a uh, sort of fountain of youth on their, on their 
planet uh, that, that keeps them young, right? So what if Picard in Insurrection hooked up with Anaj and they actually had a daughter? And now this daughter in the form of Captain Vadig is um, is out for blood because uh, a the 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 whole fountain of youth didn't really work out entirely in Star Trek Insurrection, right? Um, so she could be hell bent on vengeance, um, being robbed of the Briar Patch's kind of youth. Um, it also kind of explains a little bit of the, like garring and weird facial stuff that she's got going on, which. Uh, is what the Sona did, right? They they kind of had that premature aging thing going on in that movie. So yep. I don't know. I to me, if you're gonna say good night to Picard, you have to say good night to his love life. And whether that's gonna be through Beverly Crusher, like you were suggesting, um, or whether it's gonna be through Anaj, I do feel pretty strongly that that's gonna be the theme of season three. Like. Somebody in Picard's unrequited or requited love life <laughs> is going to have a big impact on the plot for the whole season. Well, hmm. one of the things that Picard says uh, at the beginning of season two, when he's giving his lecture to Starfleet, is he says he is the last of the Picards. Right. There will he's be got no that more regret. Picard. He's, he, he's got so, a regret about it. It would, it, to me, it would make perfect sense that th- that this character is his son, kind of a Carol Marcus deal from Star Trek II type of thing, where Beverly comes back and says, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, meet your son who hates you because you haven't been around type of a deal. And Picard does get a future, uh, you know, to carry on type of right and and to me that's really cool as a follow-up to nemesis too because as i've talked about on the podcast before i think if you rewatch nemesis these days not as bad as you remember and one of the main themes in nemesis is what if you had the same dna as picard but you grew up in a totally different environment what kind of person would you be and you know that could very well be a an echo of a theme that happens in season three here where we've got, okay, Picard doesn't know he's got this son with whomever, whether it's Anaj, whether it's Beverly, whatever. And, you know, that kid has some like chips on his shoulder as a result. Yeah. Hmm. It, it, it's, there, there's so much that can go on here. I'm just, I'm psyched. I can't I don't know. wait. I think it's, I think she's still Pulaski. <laughs> well, Pulaski, we who probably... ate the wrong triple. Well, she could, so we, could be Vosh. So we, well, so. yeah, I mean, Vosh is another great example of like unrequited or like requited, but like not long-term love for Picard. But but I want to talk, Jim. You touched a little bit on lore, and I feel like we lore deserves a little bit more of our attention. Yeah. So we know that in um, Next Generation Descent, uh, he's He's deactivated by uh, Data, right? And Data takes the damaged emotion chip and um, puts it in storage and then brings it out in um, in generations. One thing that I didn't know as a little bit of history on lore, which I thought was pretty cool, was did you guys know that lore was originally planned to be a female android and that mm-hmm. she was supposed to be a love interest for Data? And it was actually Brent Spiner who brought the idea of the 
the evil twin kind of thing to Star Trek The Next Generation, and that's when they pivoted with lore. So hmm. I think when you when you talk about how lore is written, you you have to realize that he's not um, he's not like the mirror universe version of Data. To me, he is another version of Data. He's like the version of Data that like really is Data if Data wasn't so darn responsible or, you know, didn't, didn't have all these great people around him. So parallels between the idea of Picard's DNA being wacky and off if, you know, not put in the right environment, so does lore kind of follow that same <clears throat> sort of trope. But how does he get emotions? In the trailer, he's clearly like kind of lore-ish. Towards all the people he's talking to, where does this? Well, Data's got the chip. Where's he get? Yeah, where's he get emotions? I think. Okay, so you would have to be some a genius would always have to have like a backup plan, like blueprint for everything he ba- he makes, right? I think Laura probably found a blueprint for the trip, and he just like either made it himself or maybe the, got it from a different culture, maybe. That's the only way I could see that he got the motion chip. But um, but somebody else has to activate lore, right? Somebody else has to pull him out of cold storage and turn him on because as far as we know, he's deactivated right now. Wasn't he also featured in Picard as all, you know, um, taken apart in, in storage? No, no that, that would be before. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing, Eric. There's only, with the exception of Data, who's dead, there's only one other person who's alive who knows how to put him back together and activate him. And who would that be? Commodore LaForge. Uh-huh. And you think, or, you think, what about you that? He rebuilds lore? The other thing that people are forgetting, they're assuming, and you never assume because it makes an ass out of you and me, remember that, the mm-hmm. other thing that people are assuming is that Moriarty is a bad guy. But wait a second. Hold that thought. Why was Moriarty created in the first place? To be the oh, perfect opponent for be, Data. To be able yep. to defeat Data. Yeah. So, so what if, if uh-huh. Moriarty was designed to defeat Data oh, to defeat Lore. Oh yeah. It would only make sense <laughs> that he could also defeat Lore. So yeah, if you have evil Lore running uh, running around your starbase wreaking havoc, and you had a little magic box that had Moriarty living in it, and you had a giant holodeck thing on your station, who would you who would you bring there to defeat the evil data? Not the evil data, but the Lore. It would be Moriarty. Yeah, that's so, that's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah that's pretty smart. Theory. I like that theory a lot. Yeah, my theory, and I I could yeah. be totally off base yeah. with it. That's my theory. So you have As two Jim different villains. As you started to build that, I started thinking like, yeah, I think Moriarty would fit in that little clause in there because that's the that's the nemesis to Data and also Lore. Well, right. and that kind of like completes the whole like Moriarty redemption arc then too, because I feel like at the end of TNG, we put him in a box 
but he doesn't know he's going in the box. And so to me, there, there has to be some fallout from that. I can't believe only in one episode, honestly, because they kind of have to deal with the fallout from putting him in the box and then make him a good guy in the same episode. That's going to be intense. Well, if he does, well, I mean, if he doesn't know he's in a box, they wouldn't have to resolve something he's not no, aware of. No, but I, but they're going to have to deal with that, dude. They're going to have to no, deal with they, that. They take the box, and you know he's got this giant holodeck, advanced holodeck. I can't believe deck. that they would go through all of season three with Moriarty and not deal with the fact that Moriarty doesn't know he's in the box. That uh, here's, means, here's another thing. major part that they have to deal with. Yeah, I, I think I think he's gonna know that he was in a box. That's why he became a villain, and so he's got a chip on his shoulder. shoulder. No, he was a villain. He's a villain because he's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's villain character for. Okay, well, yeah, my point was was <laughs> my point was the fact that I don't think like what Jim was saying that the, the whole station is gonna be like a hall of deck or whatever. Like they're gonna be inside the box themselves. I think. I mean, we're also forgetting about uh, Voyager. The technology that they got back from the future where the hologram can walk around anywhere with that little um, device on his shoulder. So, I mean, he could be running around without a holodeck too, so... Remember, his whole purpose... Is non-replicatable. We talked about this last week. I know that, but <laughs> this is further in the future, though. Back but it's not then, the 29th century. Yeah, no, no, but that brings David, that I was, was going to make is that Terramitalis said that we would not be seeing Janeway in season three, like we had all hoped, but, but we may see other Voyager characters. Now, talking about Moriarty being a hologram in a box and being built specifically to defeat Data, Picardia. to your point, what other Voyager character would show up that would help Moriarty? Yeah. Definitely. I'd love it to see be, Robert Picardo. That would be awesome. Doctor. He did show up. He, the doctor did show up in first contact. So it's not, mm. it's not. Well, like and he's a, like, and he's like the ambassador, right? He's like written books about the holographic sentient experience. Like he is the guy when it comes to holographic stuff and what it means to be a sentient hologram. Hmm. So he, we very well could see the doctor show up. And somehow, or maybe he just gives Moriarty, I don't know how it's going to happen, but he might show up and help Moriarty to accept what's going on and be, you know, be able to function. And then Moriarty deals with lore. That's my theory. Or he takes but, a mobile emitter. Maybe he takes the mobile emitter and uh, downloads himself into it. I don't know. I mean, the idea of the technology existing coming back into the future with that mobile emitter I know it can, it can be we re, uh, re, whatever that word is. Yeah, that. <laughs> I know that that particular technology can't be, but since there's one running around, he could have just simply took it. Well, and actually what we've learned from Rutherford is that we can actually just take an emitter and like duct tape it to a laptop and that actually works out uh, because <laughs> David, you haven't, you haven't read these, but the Lower Decks comics <laughs> okay. have, yeah. um, have Dracula as a char- as a holographic character and he's granted the ability to go outside the holodeck by Rutherford just taking a mo- taking a, a, a hologram emitter and like duct taping it to a battery in a laptop. 
Yeah. Which, you know, so, I think would work. <laughs> that's that's my theory as to why we have we have Moriarty, why we have lore, and who from Voyager is going to show up. Hmm. That's that's what well, I. That's my. We need we need to hear some stuff from Charles. Charles, uh, Charles give us the skinny man. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know who's going to pop in. I haven't followed the trailers enough to see the preview. I've been more to the point of like, okay, let's see what happens. All right. Really there sure we go. What an expectation. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll am i just say that uh, from the trailer, the people that I'm most excited to see are – I'm absolutely excited to see LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge, always one of my favorite characters. Um, showed up as a side character in the comics that sort of led up to – the um, oh sorry guys what was that short treks episode where children of mars um, that yeah. right he was he was in the comics there and he was shown as the, was, the person who was in charge of uh, utopia planitia at the time and so i uh, love that they're yeah that wasn't the comics that was a, that was a novel Oh, sorry, the novel, not the comics. Yeah, I yeah. sorry, I'm getting all my media mixed up here. No, you're right, Charles. It was the it was the novel. But yeah, I, Jordy has always been one of my favorite characters. I mean, he was like the Scotty for the late 20th century, right? Um, so I love they're they're bringing him back. I'm also really excited to see some more Riker. I don't know, Riker has been the guy who has since the beginning always resonated with me when I dress up in my red TNG uniform, people will often associate me with Riker because I'm kind of tall and I have a beard. <laughs> um, so, I, I, so I can't wait to see more Riker personally. And then um, I'm I'm completely in love with Gates McFadden uh, ever since the day I saw her in yeah. real life. I, I cannot wait to see how she plays in now. I will say that the trailer felt a little tropey with me where she's like, trust no one. Well, how many times have we heard that? Okay, whatever. I hope that they give her some really, really good, like, meat on the bones, so to speak. I hope that she's just not this, like, character that shows up on the screen and, and that's about it. Because she's a character that deserves to be recognized as whatever she's going to be, the CMO of Starfleet or, well, you know, whatever rank she gets to. Oh, I always felt that the, well, I that think the, the one TNG that they they blew is that the the whole Picard Beverly thing they built it up but they yeah. never never they, okay it was but to like me the X Files they never really, I know what you mean Jim but to me that was the beauty of it because there was like that constant tension but it was never ever resolved and you get a little bit of information in there when you get the Jack Crusher stories and um, whatever that episode is where Picard. Q takes Picard back to make a different decision thing. Um, but I, yeah, that's the one tapestry. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, to me, I kind of liked that it was unresolved. You know, we didn't, I think there was, wasn't there like one kiss in TNG between the two of them or something, but that was about it. I mean, it was really, the rest of it was just kind of like on the side. So I don't know. I, I see what yeah, you're saying. I mean, that I, yeah, there could be some history there. There's a long time, right? <laughs> 25 years of foreplay is a long time. It's a long time. Um, I mean, they, had, they had all the movies, and, and they still never 
yeah. Well, you know what? So no, I'm, I mean, they could have had a kid in this show, so. Well, hey, well she, does, of, she became, yeah. Yeah, she became uh-huh. Mrs. Picard in the alternate universe, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm just hoping that, that they pay that off. And don't forget that um, Q did tell Picard at the end of last season that he didn't want him to die alone like he's going to. Right, exactly. And so they set that whole thing up at the end of season two, and we know, which means obviously, uh, what's-her-face, um, the Romulan who's hanging out at his vineyard there, who he hooks up with at the end. Laris. What's her name? Laris. Laris. Out of the, uh, Laris is going to be gone. Unfortunately, I liked that character. And uh, she's um, so cool. She was awesome. Uh, so maybe this is what Q was setting Picard up to. You know, it's, it's time to fix things and, and, and move on. So I hope, anyways. We'll see. Here's an interesting because thought. It's not in Starfleet if you pay attention to the trailer. Um, they're um, all in Starfleet uniforms except for Beverly. She's a civilian. Hmm. Or did no one oh. else catch that? Yeah, and no, I, I totally noticed that, yeah. Yeah. So before before we move on, though, I do have, speaking of, of uh, Picard, season three, I do have one news story, though. That that I want I want Eric to touch on here, if you don't mind, Eric, before we run out of time. That pertains mm-hmm. to Star Trek Picard, which I think is a good one, and it's got some information that our listeners might be interested in. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is information kind of right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Harry Metalis introduces Star Trek Picard's new USS Titan bridge crew. That's right. Uh, showrunner Terry Metalis to Twitter on Tuesday to introduce the Starfleet crew who serve aboard the USS Titan in the upcoming adventure. Captain Liam Shaw, played by Todd Stashwick, is the human commander of the USS Titan in this new 25th century era. Shaw is a former engineer with a long history within Starfleet. The Titan's first officer is newly minted commander Seven of Nine, played, of course, by Jerry Ryan, who joined the service following Admiral Picard's field commission in the season two finale. Seven was, quote, placed into an accelerated Starfleet program against her own judgment, says Metallus, indicating she may not be fully comfortable in her new role aboard the Titan. Wow, that seems really weird to me. All right. Lieutenant Taveen, played by Stephanie Tchaikovsky, is a Vulcan who serves as the Titan's official science officer. Several captains fought to have her on the bridge, says Metallus, but the Titan won. Ooh, she sounds pretty good. Lieutenant Matthew Arliss Mura, played by Joseph Lee, is the tactical officer who has served on the new Titan for the last three years and is exactly who you want at that station when you hear, give him everything we've got. Despite his distinctly human-sounding name, Metallus confirmed that Lieutenant Mura is actually a Bajoran. So there you go. We have a Bajoran on the Titan. Ensign Kova Rin Esmar, played by Jin Maley, serves as the Titan's communications officer. Per Metallus, Esmar speaks over 72 languages, and they graduated at the top of their class. They are a member of the Halayan race, introduced through Lieutenant Aquiel Inari in her self-titled episode. Previously, a Halai 
Edson served as helmsman aboard the USS Stargazer in Season 2, and there's a Hawaiian waiter working in the lounge aboard the USS Cerritos. So there you go, a race that we don't know that we've seen several times, but we will see even more in Ensign Kova Rin Esmar. And finally, the USS Titan's helm officer is Ensign Sidney LaForge. That's right. Ashley Sharp Chestnut is the actress. Casting, which was first announced last October at the New York Comic Con, one of Jordi LaForge's two daughters, Sydney, quote, didn't want to build ships like her sister, Alondra, who we will also meet in season three because she instead wanted to fly them. Picard season three, of course, premieres in only seven days, you guys, February 16th on Paramount Plus. So this crew sounds really cool. We've got the we got the LaForge person. We got the awesome communications officer who speaks tons and tons of languages. We have a sweet tactical officer who you want to have in a fight. We have a Vulcan. We've got seven of nine. And we have a captain that may or may not make it out of the first episode. And and uh, she's Gary, a ball Vulcan too. If you guys saw the trailer, um, yeah, she's, she's like a Delta with pointed ears. Almost. Mm, Delta and Vulcan. I will, make a correction. I will make a correction, Eric Story. It will appear on February 16th in North America. It'll be on February 17th on the other city, other countries. Right. Yep, it's the next day in other territory. And yep. also, what I, I remember reading is that the areas that, that do not have access to um, Amazon Prime that it will be airing on Paramount Plus in those areas as part of the Paramount Plus slash Showtime uh, merger deal. And so if you live in an area um, that gets Paramount Plus or Showtime but not Amazon Prime, you still will be able to watch Star Trek the next day on Paramount Plus rather than Amazon Prime if it's in your area. If you're Which, if you're a country that if you're one of the countries who has Paramount Plus in the international system, then you will be watching it on Paramount. If you don't have, if your country does not have Paramount Plus yet, then you'll probably have Amazon, with the exception of Canada, who will be doing it on their sci-fi channels. Exactly. Exactly. So you, everybody will get an opportunity to see Star Trek Picard Season 3 on one of the available platforms. They're making every effort they can to make it as available to as many fans as possible. So you might have to wait a day um, to get it, but you will be getting it, which, which is really good. So we want as many people to enjoy Star Trek as possible. Anyways... That's the crew of the USS Titan, and we know the crew. We already know the Enterprise crew. We already know all the TNG people are coming back, which is cool. And was there anything else that we missed in the trailer that anybody wanted to talk about? Um. Well, yeah. I, mean, I was just gonna. There's a lot yeah, in I don't. There. Yeah, there's <laughs> a there's a ton there's a ton in there. I mean, I I think it's very interesting that the. Interesting and a little bit like, oh, we've heard this before, that Captain Vatic, the, the new um, Amanda Plummer villain, you know, 
one of the lines that she screams out loud in the trailer is, we will have vengeance. And so to me, once again, we've got kind of like a revenge-fueled um, villain, which I guess is okay. Um, you know, we just we've just like seen it before. Um, I just really hope that what they do is they they put. To me, season one of Picard was so beautiful because they took a story that wasn't able to be fully told in the movies. And they were able to develop it and actually kind of, you know, they put Data to bed at the end. They gave Picard kind of a new identity at the end. Like season one to me was just like really good. For me, Picard season two was just, it was just like a long bottle episode. You know, nothing, nothing really happened. Nothing really mattered <laughs> at the end. Uh, I guess what matters is that, you know, Seven gets her field promotion. Um I hope that season three gives me, gets me back to that feeling that I had in season one where things really matter and and there's a beautiful story that's being told about Picard. I mean, somebody we haven't even really talked too much about tonight uh, is, is Rafi and how, you know, she be, obviously means a lot to Picard. Season one in particular, um, she was really integrated into the story and like developing the relationship between her and JL in this season three trailer, we maybe see her, my, my interpretation of the thing that sprays in her eyes that she's on drugs again, and maybe Mm -hmm. interacting with the like seedy underground of some place. But to me, her character deserves so much more than that. Her character was the one that in season two, I felt was just kind of kicked to the curb and like got almost no development. And really I come out of season two, Rafi just like, not knowing anything more about her than I knew in season one. So I really, really hope they take Rafi to the next level. Um, that's, that's my, one of my biggest hopes. I mean, among all the other cool things that we're going to get, just please do something with the Rafi character because she's so cool and she deserves to be much more than the sort of drug addict that they've kind of just diminished her to, in my opinion. I, okay. Her and sevens like thing in season two is okay. But like, aside from a sweet car chase, like, and a kiss. There's not too much more to it. So I want more. So well, another character, that... another character we haven't talked about a lot. I know it's not really going to be in season three, but Elnora came back from season two at the end. What's happening with him in yeah. season three? I know they haven't shown him at all, have they? Um, Doesn't he go to Starfleet? He's probably busy at Starfleet. He's probably yeah. busy at the academy. Yeah. I thought he was one of the recruits on the ship that Ralphie was on. No, they sent him to Starfleet at the end, though. Hmm. He was yeah, in Starfleet, but the thing is, I think they were crewing the ships for certain missions. Yeah. But he's still a cadet. So, Rafi, uh, to me, I think that there's going to be some time jump between the end of Season 2 and, and the beginning of Season 3. Um, whether it's a year or two, I, I'm not sure. But I think there's going to be a time jump because, you know, Valeris, she's not going to be there. Something happens when he when Picard hooks up with her at the end of season two, and where we see him now, obviously he's moved on from her, and she's no longer in his life. Whatever we don't know. And the Rafi Seven thing. The last time we see them, Rafi is sitting as the first officer of Seven on the bridge of the Stargazer. Correct. Yep. When. Uh, 
when Borg Girardi, Borgardi comes back. So Borgiardi. Borgiardi. So when we see them now, Seven is now the first officer, and Rafi's not in Starfleet anymore. At least not when we see her. Maybe. We'll see. You know, she could be. Also, I don't know. So I'm thinking Picard that... Not in, is Picard not in Starfleet anymore? I mean, I thought he quit, like, in season one. No, he well, didn't quit. He got... Yeah. He, he's an admiral because... Died, of, they well, he's back. a... Well, he's an admiral emeritus at this point, right? Like, I don't think he's actually... Is he still in Starfleet, like, technically? I, I mean, he did not. That's the impression that I got, because Seven <laughs> on, on the bridge is an admiral, and he's wearing Oh, no, you're admiral. right. No, you're right. You're right. Even though so he's not I'm, in uniform. Yeah. I'm thinking that, oh, that Seven and Rafi have a falling out over her getting so involved in Starfleet, and Rafi takes back to the snake oil again and and that's how she ends up uh, you know and Worf goes to find her type of a thing is what I'm thinking well I mean I could Picard, be now, now I remember Picard Picard's reinstated when they got the contact message in season two yes he was made he was reinstated as an admiral to go and deal oh, okay. with Borg that's completely blocked out season two <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the, uh, another thing that we probably should have blocked out. When Q sent them back to um, the Prime Universe, what if he accidentally misdialed and sent them to an alternate universe? That third one? <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's the Kelvin universe. Maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. The, I'm, I'm, I really want to see who this Vatic is because a, a good a, if you have a good villain you have a good movie. If you have a poor villain, you have a crappy movie. It all hinges on the villain. And well, and I gotta and I gotta believe, Jim, that like this actress would not take the role unless it was well written, right? She is she is of a caliber who she can refuse roles, right? There's nothing bringing her into this other than the fact that she believes in the project. Well, you know what? I I agree, and I have to I have to go to Star Trek Beyond. Um, Adris Alba is an incredible actor, but that villain in that movie just wasn't compelling. Yeah. And that I, to me that brought the movie down because the villain in the movie played by the awesome Adris Alba wasn't compelling enough for me, anyways. Uh, where where Cardo Maltaban as Khan was just incredible, you know. Plummer as Chang was just awesome. The villain has to has to carry the weight of the movie, and and has to be, you know, a belief. I mean, if they turn around and say that this Vatic character was the was the neighbor's daughter's son of the cousin's uncle's aunt that Picard murdered in Episode Three when he was <laughs> assimilated to the Borg at Wolf Three Five Nine, that's just not going to be enough of a vengeance factor to make me care. You know what I'm saying? It, it, no, it has but, if to be... she, but if she, so let's say she wasn't Baku related, but what if she was like a second daughter of Tasha Yar who wasn't Sila? And there was some shenanigans in there yeah. too. That, that, oh, that would fly. And because um, I was watching the trailer again and I was, I was pausing every scene to see if I could see Klingon Emma anything on her 
and the chair that she's sitting in when they when she's talking looked an awful lot like Sila's command chair. Mm. Thinking, got the rock chair. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, she has to have a connection to Picard um, that's pretty deep. You know, it can't just be a fleeting thing like you know. Yeah, you killed my no, mother. That's why it's got to. It's, it's got to be something yeah. personal. You know. Here's a, here's an interesting thought. What if she's not going after Picard, but she's going after uh, Crusher? Kind of a switch and bait kind of thing. Mm, well, a little she's red herring she's, there in the trailer. She's specifically. Yeah, she said. See what I think. I think that. Vatic doesn't know how to get to Picard, and she finds Crusher and knows that she can get to Picard through Crusher. Hmm. Because yeah, Crusher maybe. sends the message to Picard that pulls him into the whole thing. So if don't she's after Picard, she would go to Crusher, I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know. But at any rate, we're just about out of time, guys, and I can't wait to see. what's. You know what's going to kill me the most? I'm going to tell you what's going to kill me the most is that I'm going to come home from work, I'm going to have dinner on Thursday, and me and the family are going to sit down and watch Picard on Thursday. And then we're going to have a show, and we're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds, the comic book. And I, and I am going to be chomping at the bit to want to talk about Picard, and I'm going to have to wait a whole week to do it. That's oh, going to kill man. me. It's a good policy, Jim. It's a good policy. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm just going to want to say, oh, my God. And I'm going to want to talk about it, and we're going to be talking about Strange New World, the comic book. But that's, <laughs> you know. And normally I wouldn't do that, except I can't wait to watch it. i got to watch it Thursday. I've got to watch I've been waiting too long not to watch it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch it. And then hopefully while we're talking about Strange New Worlds, I don't get my senility doesn't creep in there, and I start mentioning things that I shouldn't mention because I'm confused. I don't know. We'll see. At any rate, that wraps up our show, guys. Can you believe it? Wow. More. We need more time. <laughs> I want to say thank you to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, this was, this had been really fun. This is one of the most, uh, one of the episodes I really wanted to talk about because just, I'm, I'm like you, Jim. I just cannot wait to see it. And uh, it's uh, running out of patience. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing if any of the predictions come true. We'll have to wait and see. We only have a week. And thank you, of course, to our very good Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Eric. A pleasure, as always, gents. Thank you so much for uh, doing this every week. It's so much fun. And I want to let you guys know that even though Picard airs on Thursday night, as I just said, we always review the episode the following Thursday. So even though it's going to be on next Thursday, we will be talking about Strange New Worlds, issue number one, the Illyrium Enigma. Um, So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next week, which is a really awesome Strange New Worlds comic book tie-in to tie in between season one and season two of strange new worlds so that's going to be a lot of fun we won't be talking about the card till the following week. all right guys i'm your most excellent host uncle jim saying to everybody please remember to stay safe and be good to each other star trek fans are the best fans
Don't ever forget that. Good night, everybody. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, y'all. Good night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.